from the great state of Texas, you are now listening to Skip the Noise Podcast, a Rounded Edge Media production. Thank you so much for joining us and by us. I am referring to, for this special edition of the episode, Ben, a.k.a. Mexican Nostradamus, and myself, Benji. Rick, unfortunately, is not with us. However, we do have a very special guest in one John Rosenthal, a Democrat serving in the Texas House of Representatives. You may have heard on the news recently that John and 60-some of his colleagues left the state of Texas to go to Washington, D.C. in efforts to block the passage of legislation that would add a plethora of new regulations to the election process here in Texas. So we caught up with John from D.C. He's got some great opinions and insight on uh, the things going on right now. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Well, Skip the Noise listeners, we are in for a treat right now. We have on the show a very special guest, a Democratic member of the Texas House of Representatives, Mr. John Rosenthal. John, welcome to the program. Thank you so much uh, for gracing us with your presence. You doing okay today? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a, it's a oh, real- a- Absolutely. So first and foremost, uh, we wanted to get into the fun stuff. So recently, um, with the uh, the voting laws we've talked about on the show quite a bit. Uh, Greg Abbott, the, the Dems had quite a response um, in disagreement. Could you just give us from your perspective uh, the state of affairs going on and how that's playing out in uh, Texas government? Well, I mean, you know, there's the substance of the bill and the two sides actual substantive responses. And then there's a bunch of political theater around that, you know, for me. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, for those that don't know me, my background is I'm a mechanical engineer by trade and I've worked in engineering for over 25 years. So I really am a nuts and bolts spreadsheet kind of person. I am that annoying dude that brings spreadsheets to arguments. I used to annoy all the other engineers, you know, uh, with my pedantic back checking and all that. So the bottom line is we're here engaged in a, in a parliamentary, procedure that's constitutionally protected and we're doing it uh, uh, to fight a bill that we believe is terribly egregious and it's an assault on our freedom to vote. Uh, And I personally am here um, because it's a cause I truly believe in, you know, and uh, we see stuff there's a lot of hyperbole. There's a lot of conversation. People talking about, oh, Dems just don't want a voter ID law. Y'all, this bill is 47 pages long. It's not a voter ID law. There's very little about identification in there. So uh, I live in Harris County. I'm a Northwest Houston um, resident. And a portion of this bill goes right after some of those cool innovations that we had uh, during this last 2020 election, the drive-through voting, expanded voting locations, 24-hour voting. Uh, those things are explicitly limited or banned in this bill. So it's like they saw we had a record turnout in Harris County. They're like, oh, no, we can't have all those people be voting. <laughs> We're going to go right after that stuff, right? So in so- that, to me, you know, we, uh, we had a, a bright young guy. Uh, uh, forwarding those innovations and did it by the book, really. All that stuff was by the book. And um, going after that is just going after, you know, newly, new innovations to expand access to voting. So while I disagree with that, I probably would not have broken quorum just for that. Uh, This bill goes after 
It goes at, at shaving the margins. It goes after our freedom to vote in, a, in real and substantive ways by uh, erecting barriers, by intimidation through new criminal penalties for simple mistakes, like if you make a simple mistake on a, on a mail-in ballot application or if an election judge makes a simple mistake during the process of doing their work, there are criminal penalties that can be brought. You can literally go to prison for a year or two. And uh, just like this case we had recently, the, the woman from Dallas, a, a lady named Crystal Mason, uh, uh, had an issue with a ballot. Um, she was on, she was on probation. So she went through a federal uh, criminal jury trial. Ended up with probation. Probation officer gives her all the, you know, here's the list of things you can do and you can't do. You can't have a gun. Can't hang out with felons. You know, yada yada. It never said. It never told her that on probation she was not eligible. To, eligible to vote. So she went to, she was already registered. She went to cast a ballot in Dallas and um, her name wasn't on the voter roll. So the election clerk, the election worker, a young person gave her a provisional ballot, which is this thing that allows you to cast, to cast a ballot, but it will be checked before it's counted to make sure it's valid. So when they checked it, they found that, you know, she was on probation, ineligible to vote, ballot was thrown away. This woman was arrested, taken away in handcuffs, uh, uh, and given 26 months in prison. So she's oh. fighting, that, but for mm. attempting to vote. So now um, we're going to have expanded criminal penalties. This was under previous law. That happened. oh my god, that's you crazy. Know, that's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. And then the other part of it that I want that I want to mention is the partisan poll watchers. I hear a lot of people say. Well, both sides are allowed to send poll watchers. So a campaign can hire and train people to, to go to the polling place and sort of observe election activity to make sure no hijinks are going on and, and whatnot. And um, that actually is fine if you've got people from both sides and they can observe and I don't have a problem with that. This bill empowers partisan poll watchers to be closer to you. They can literally look over your shoulder to watch you cast a ballot so they can see what you're doing. The bill and people who say, oh, that he's lying, that's not true. Read the language of the bill. It literally says to be close enough to see and hear election activity. And that means they can stand right next to you. Not only that, it this bill says even if they violate the law, even if they transgress penal code, if they threaten somebody, disrupt the polling place, election judge can't even ask them to leave until they've given them a, a warning, an official warning. And even then, only if the election judge witnesses the activity themselves. So you're basically giving partisan poll watchers a free pass at least one time to literally get in your face and say, I'm gonna shoot you if you vote this way or that way. So, um, you know, if you can imagine the crowd of insurrectionists that were at the Capitol on January the 6th, and we had quite a few of those from Texas, <laughs> let's just hire and train those people to watch uh, over your shoulder while you're casting a ballot. Okay. Uh, um, so that's just a little bit of it. I know it's a limited time program, but there's so much bad stuff in this bill that uh, is aimed at certain communities, communities of color, urban communities. Um, and it's not just that bill. There's there's more. It's an assault on our democracy. And it's not just Texas either, which is why we came to D.C. Um, 
there's a slew of these. There are conservative think tanks that are writing uh, model pieces of legislation, sending them to legislators all over the country. And bills exactly like this have been filed in whatever it is, 43 different states. A few states have already passed similar legislation. So it's slightly different flavors and slightly different variations, but it all comes from from single source model legislation. So it's an attack on voting rights across the United States, not just in the South. There's areas in New York getting this too. That's why we came to Washington to get, um, to urge the Congress to just put some federal guardrails in place. You know what I mean? Let's have a level playing field in some respect so that the freedom to vote is protected. Well, it feels like the, oh, go ahead, Ben. Well, I I was just going to just in regards to the theorem, because, you know, since the 70s, that's been the Republicans and, you know, basically their playbook. Let's limit access in a way to prevent any type of like, you know, as as populations become more um, diverse. I think that's always been part of the playbook since the 70s. I mean, you know, the famous speech um, and I keep forgetting his name, but he basically said, we just want less people to vote because they're trying to limit it to a certain population that will tend to overwhelmingly support a certain way and to, you know, and to remove um, basically all the things that happened in the sixties in regards to civil rights and things of that nature. So there's a lot of that play. So it's a very deep issue and, and, and it's very egregious the way that Texas and several States are trying to play into this. So with that being said, do you see that agenda being propagated throughout this Texas legislation session? Or do you see, you know, is there, is there any chance that like at some point, you know, because you you have you have the possibility of Texas looking towards a purplish state, you know, and having more of a, a balance of the left and right, you know, schema. Do you think that there are some moderate Republicans that may start trying to look at the concept of why they're trying to limit voter access? Or is it just going to be just a continuous party line? And, you know, they're, they're, they're going to stay at that hard right belief. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you I see do any of that movement? Saying. Uh, I that I do. So I'll be um, really candid about mm-hmm. how it works, for at least my impression of how things work sort of behind the scenes in the state legislature. Right. And I do believe that most uh, most folks choose try to get elected to serve their communities and better the state of Texas. And and like you would hope, you got some principled conservatives that just have different opinions about that. We can have substantive debate. You know, right. some of these some of these guys are. Men and women are well-meaning, well-intentioned, and really uh, very reasonable. And there's even one or two who have who have spoken out about this bill and some of the other stuff that that Republicans have tried to forward. But the truth is, this stuff comes from leadership at the very top. So if I can toss names, you know, oh, please, you do. At, please, what, do. <laughs> please do, please do, please do, because I, 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 I got, I got a what, list that I don't like. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've made plenty well, of comments regarding top, a couple. Two at the top of your list are Dan Patrick and uh, Greg Abbott, <laughs> and so you know these opinions. are. These are number one and number two most powerful politicians in the state of Texas for state politics, and they are forwarding a very hard right agenda, you know, and a lot of people think Greg Abbott trying to set up a run for president, maybe so. Yeah, Uh, we talk about him trying to out Trump the governor of Florida, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. 
It's true. I mean, you know, how many just... times has he said he's like the fourth most powerful person in the world? I mean, have you? I don't know if you've seen those wonderful speeches. Every every <laughs> other time, I'm oh, if Texas was, oh, we have the that I'm more powerful than Russia. I, I, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's it's no, the no, most beautiful the, thing I've ever seen. The dynamic, the way that it works out, uh, at least from my from what I can see, is that uh, the Republicans are better at um, at requiring uh, unity on their high priority items. And it's um, unspoken and well known that if you cross party leadership, you know, your stuff ain't gonna happen. You know, so if you wanna keep your power, if you wanna keep your spot, Republican party of Texas, not gonna back your campaign if you go against the governor or lieutenant governor. And so on those few items that are their high priority items, you'll see a very uniform vote down the line for the Republican party. And if you look closely, there's a two or three Mavericks that, that do not give an F about what anybody <laughs> thinks they're going to vote the way they vote. And you can tell the way they are. And I may not always agree with them, but I admire them for being uh, independent and voting their mind and voting their district. So, but the truth is, if, if Abbott wants it, you know, all they'll vote it through the Senate, they'll vote it through the House. Yeah. And uh, and his priority items are like this voting bill and the uh, going after teachers, you know, limiting, oh, yeah. uh, uh, chilling teachers out of actually teaching history by saying that criminal race theory is some weird stuff that they uh, they have changed. <laughs> they have assigned a new meaning to that. But, you know, all of these things, all these right. things, you know, well, go to trans kids and all those, you know, yeah. they got this stuff. Sometimes, you know, you'll we'll have these confidential, not confidential, but sort of private close in conversations on the House floor. And Republicans will say, you know, oh, man, this bill is a, is a piece of crap. I wish we weren't even having to deal with this. I'm like, well, why you vote for it then? And they say, dude, I don't have a choice. You know that. So that's that's what it is. And so if we're going to have any kind of deal space on um, if we're going to modify election law in Texas, that has to be done with the governor because we know we cannot. There's uh, uh, the Speaker of the House, you know, is is, a, is actually a pretty good guy. I mean, he's got kids. He has a heart. Um, but the truth of the matter is you, you, he cannot keep a deal. He can say, oh, we're not going to do this or that. But, but his area of authority is only in the House. And once it goes to the Senate or the governor, you know, they're the ones who are going to call the shots at the end. Well, the big well, part was you. the rewrite, yeah. right? The rewrite was the big problem. That's why y'all made you know, made the decision to, you know, of course, you, you, yeah, you, you instructed parliamental. Yes, you, you yeah. use parliamental procedures. Everyone can say one thing or the other, but you did follow the, the parliamental procedures and you, you basically invoked and you, and you, Dude, you the, the guy wants to defund a branch of government because uh, 60 of us took a long lunch. Like literally <laughs> we walked out at 1030 and the session ended at midnight. Right. So we gone for 90 minutes. And the reason that they kept it so late, just like you said, was in conference committee, they rewrote the bill and added a whole bunch of provisions that wasn't yes. part of the debate, wasn't part of the uh, committee, and, it, and, and that it wasn't part of the uh, committee hearings, public hearings and all that. It wasn't even a committee meeting. So you have a conference, the way this works is if a version of a bill is different, passed through the House, passed through the Senate, they're different and ir irreconcilable on the face. Then each side appoints five members and they come together in a conference committee to hammer out a, um, a, a compromise or a solution both sides agree to. And then 
without it gets explained but not debated or changed and we can vote it up or down and that's the conference committee process uh, and then if it gets voted uh out of both if it reported favorably by the house and the senate then it goes to the governor's desk yeah. this the committee didn't even meet it was just the two <laughs> it was senator brian hughes and uh and uh, representative briscoe kane who you may yeah. know who he is. <laughs> yeah i know who he is same dude yeah. that uh, threatened Beto O'Rourke after he made his gun comment yeah. in a presidential debate. And those two guys between them wrote this and didn't even show the new language to the committee and brought it to the House floor and the Senate. And uh, and they wouldn't debate it. They wouldn't take questions. You know, they were doing their own parliamentary procedure to call the question, which, which means you end debate and go ahead and uh, vote on something. Because we had planned on killing this using normal order. We had 40 Democrats. I was one of them. When at the, when a bill is presented at the end of debate, every member has an opportunity. If you sign up, you let them know, uh, let the speaker know that you want to speak for a bill, for, against, or on a bill. And we can talk for 10 minutes and say whatever you want, really. We had 40 Democrats lined up <laughs> to speak against this bill. On the House floor, we were just going to run out the clock, and and they circulated their petition to end that process and uh, call the question so that we would have been forced to vote on it, and that's when we walked out. We're like, yeah, yeah if you're all going to play your parliamentary tricks, there's one in there for us, too. Yep, and, and that's and that's amazing, and so I love how they try to paint the story a totally different way. So I, I commend you all for what you're doing. You know, you guys took a lot of flack when in regards to like not necessarily national media, but just local media and things like that, because you guys do have to, you know, you have to contend that, you know, Texas is a slightly is always going to have a slight conservative edge to it. So it's it's one of those states where you have to be very a Democrat in Texas has to kind of you have to work with people. Right. That's what we have to do. We're, that's what we exactly. do, I, I think so. Um, in the, in that context, it's very difficult. So I, you guys have constituents you have to deal with. So just the flack you had to deal with a lot of the local media must have been difficult. And Fox News went to town on y'all. Oh, I'm sure so, they did. I'm oh sure my God, did. I I feel so bad, but I'm glad that you did it. <laughs> I am glad that you did it. And you guys are heroes, no matter what anybody says. And uh, it's it's pretty cool that y'all do that. And you know, I love the the side story, like oh, people got COVID from it. And you're just like. You guys, it's just oh, actually, I want to talk about that for a second. Oh, if, oh if, yeah, if please do with please you do. because this whole story is an advertisement for the vaccines, y'all. Uh, and I'm sure most people watching this are probably already vaccinated, but if you're not, you know, people in your family who are not, <laughs> yeah. you know, you've got a group of uh, roughly 70 people because there's 55 of us, plus there's some staff and support people that are with us here. And uh, it's it's a long story, but the end of the story is one member tests positive because they were uh, going to get a medical procedure done, and they had been with us, you know, for a few days. And so then we go ahead and bring the test, and we're going to test everybody, and we had a few positives, you know. And this is breakthrough on vaccinated people. So uh, I don't know; I cannot confirm or deny if it's the Delta variant or whatever, but that's kind of what's going around, and. The six members total got it. Um, two showed some symptoms from what they described to me. It was less than what I had breathed in the air in DC here. You know, I get a little <laughs> uh, congested sometimes. I wake up in the morning. Houston, too, you know, is like that. Uh, it sounded like it was less than my typical sort of hay fever allergy thing that I have every day. Anyway, and I've been negative every day, seven days in a row now. 
The other four had no symptoms at all. One of them, you know, has been going out on midnight runs because he doesn't want, you know, <laughs> yeah. that. but, but like, you know, doesn't want to um, <laughs> endanger anybody or be around people. And he'll just that, that, that's conscientious run for five miles and stuff. I and mean, we got some fitness fanatics in this uh, caucus, but the, the bottom line is less than 10% of our group ended up testing positive at all. Uh, less than 30%, uh, well, right at 30, 33% of those that tested positive had some minor symptoms. Nobody got sick. And this is a variant that's killing folks right now, y'all. You know, hospitalizations are rising, uh, COVID deaths are rising in our area and around the country, and it's mostly the unvaccinated. So the moral of this story is, even if this, this virus gets into a group of vaccinated people, nothing bad happened to us. We're all fine. Right. Right. And, th- and that, that's one of the big things about the state of Texas is a lack of, uh, you know, we're not necessarily like, we're not as bad as some states in regard to vaccination. Not as bad as some, but we got about 40% of the general population vaccinated. We're, yeah. one, of the, we're one of the hot spots in the country right now for, yeah. uh, for a couple and, 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 and the big thing is, is when it comes, because so I have medical training and I, I'm actually by trade, I'm a pharmacist. So. Oh, cool. uh, just, yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. So serious I, medical. Isn't that like an eight-year <laughs> program? Bit. No, no, it's a, it's about six total. It's it's really not yeah, that hard. Yeah. Oh, they, it's they, only six years. They let everybody in. They let everybody <laughs> no in. No big deal. It's not a big no deal. big deal. Not really. You just kind of we kind of hang out, and they eventually give us the 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 paper to do what we do. Yeah, I don't know about um, that. I'll be honest with you. Four years for me, so and that was a bitch. <laughs> oh, dude, you 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 imagine how many people when I used to work retail would come. And they would just come to the thing and I, they'd be like, how long is it going to be? I'd be like, well, it's going to take about 30, 45 minutes. I'd be like, oh, aren't you just putting a sticker on a box? That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just putting a sticker on a box. That's it. That's it. And then the other 30 minutes, I'm playing video games. You're right. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah we get that. <laughs> <laughs> I get that, right? Hold on. Dude, I, I can't save here. Um, so uh, <laughs> so with that being said, so just with the Delta variant, with everything going on, I think the, the one of the big things is, is when you look at the vaccines and education in the state, we have to understand that, you know, while the, the coronavirus, its main objective is to overwhelm medical institutions. I mean, that's what it's really, that's why we're worried mainly about in regards to a lot of the deaths that occur with this. So I think I think that's where I think there's that cross in the education. Cause then of course you have the people that think that if you get injected with it, that you're going to become a lizard person, which we joked around a lot about on the show. We made tons of jokes because I, and I'm fully vaccinated. So is, um, so is Ben. So we just kind of, we, we, so, yeah, we kind of mess with that. To your forehead so you don't lose your keys. I mean, I can't <laughs> dude. I, I can't get out of my car without my head being stuck to the door. So <laughs> I can't, I mean, I'm sorry. Everyone yeah, else it doesn't, got it doesn't work for me at all. You know, I, I tried it with the, with the quarter and it, it just <laughs> keeps, just won't do it. Won't stick. Well, <laughs> that'd be awesome. That'd be great. You just get metal. I'd be the greatest party trick ever. If you really believe that you should do it so you could show off in front of your friends. I mean, who would be, what better thing you'll get like the, the beer caps and right. just put them on your head. Game over. <laughs> Pull out your magneto tricks, right? Or hey, you might be able right. to open a beer. If it sticks hard <laughs> enough, you just open the beer that way. But with that being said, we have the Delta variant. We have uh, that, that, but I love how they tried to make that the sideshow of what, what the most important thing. And it, and, and it, it, which was the fact that you guys are trying to preserve uh, voting accessibility. 
you're trying to keep <clears throat> as many as as few um, obstacles to voting as possible. I mean, that was the whole purpose, right? We in the 1860s yep. and and in 1820s when you saw a lot of these voting suppressing laws, and even as far as the beginning, that that's not the the spirit of what we're doing here. I mean, you know, you don't want to keep people. Now, I understand that we all must maintain rules when it comes to voting. You know, you don't want people voting twice. You don't want any illegalities. You don't want any problems like that. But that's such a minuscule problem in our overall voting schema that this trumped up and pardon the term, uh, but it, 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 it <laughs> no but it applies. Intent. This trumped up propaganda has really put a lot of distrust in the voting system. So I could see how, you know, when they make that propaganda that agenda to to make people very afraid that right. everyone's cheating and everyone's stealing you can see why these guys that you know while there's some that probably know that this is all a game because no one really believes this right no one really believes any of this you could ask somebody privately and go do you really think that he won and they'll be like no so so while i agree with you there there are some true believers oh yeah no there's some of those marjorie green and some of those and i've had folks you know not yeah not just her i've had some folks approach me and say you know there's no way he lost you know that you all are just wrong about that there's no way that uh trump could have lost i'm like y'all you know the the, (laughs) you you want so first there's a long history of of using the scapegoat of uh, election integrity or election security to restrict the right to vote this has been going on for um 150 years it's (laughs) not anything new and that same excuse is exactly what they've used over the decades and even in recent history so that's that's one number two is given that that's the excuse that they've used. And we've got decades of, of law. We've got decades of, of building statute built around making our elections secure. Y'all, our elections are very secure. And this election was massively scrutinized from, from start to finish. The Secretary of State for the state of Texas said it was smooth, secure, and safe. You know, it was what smooth, secure, and successful were the words she used. And because she said that, the Texas State Senate refused to uh, confirm her for a oh, fresh term. Oh, we no, no longer have a Secretary of State in Texas, right? Oh, my because God. Because they acknowledged that we didn't have voter fraud. The, the Attorney General of the state of Texas hired outside help, spent 22,000 staff hours, $250,000 in a six-month effort to desperately find anything he could freaking find. And um, he says, well, we have 40 cases under consideration out of 11 million votes. Out of those 40 cases, 16 actually had errors on the ballot. And they were like address errors and whether they were intentional or not. 16 out of 11 million. You, you, some people think, uh, according to articles that I have found, that is roughly the same probability as being struck by a meteorite. You know, not, <laughs> not even you can not even not even <laughs> struck by lightning, which is actually something that happens, right? You yeah, know, right. you've exactly. heard of somebody getting struck by lightning, or your car gets it, by, or something like that. Not cars because they sit on rubber tires, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, that was a nice engineering uh, when you put it in there. Well, no, you're isolated. Yeah. You don't have to worry about being grounded with the rubber between the. Yeah, yeah. not not in a car, but you know, <laughs> I like that. Like, I like. like the lightning rods or or lampposts or trees right. get stu- struck by lightning, and that that's about a one and a half a million shot of getting struck by lightning uh, 
it's one in 700,000 is the probability of finding an errant vote in, in Texas. So, uh, you know, there's no freaking fraud and that's yeah. not what this is about. And when they relax and say that part out loud, it becomes clear. Uh, Representative Toth, Steve Toth has brought a bill to do a quote unquote forensic audit on the, um, is it the 12 largest counties or third on counties with a population of larger than 415,000 people or something like that. Only democratic counties. And when he <laughs> interviewed with the Washington post, right. I don't know if you've seen this, he literally, when they asked him, you know, why not just do the whole state? Uh, and he said, well, it would be time and consuming and expensive. It's like, well, would you be open to um, reviewing some of the votes in some of the smaller counties? And he said, well, I would, but what's the point? They all vote red. <laughs> it's like, they don't even <laughs> pretend it's about election security. It's about suppressing Democrats. Right. And you, you did a great job of spelling out, especially earlier, you're talking about some of the frustrations with how... Um, you know, pressure to particularly amongst the Republicans to go with the not to break party lines and to go uh, follow the top down message. Right. So as in your position, um, what what keeps you motivated and what um, or I guess are, are you hopeful for for Texas in, in issues like these? Oh, I am. You know, I'm maybe I'm just an optimistic person. Uh, and I, I, you know, we have, first, I'm so proud of this caucus that I'm a member of, and people can call us all kinds of names and ridicule us and stuff like that, but we have got some dedicated, smart, hardworking people who really are um, doing this, not as a political stunt, we are doing it to protect the freedom to vote for Texans, and, and really, if it's, if we make the stand in Texan, in Texas, we, we, let me put it this way. We made a stand in Texas and we have captured the attention of the entire country, really the sure. whole world. I got people, friends of mine in other countries saying we're on the news in Japan and in France and in England, right? Where I got friends uh, sending me messages from these places. Y'all, um, with the kind of attention that we're bringing, I, I really am hopeful that, that we can get something done, that we can... Uh, whether it happens in short time or longer time, like, you know, Congress going to work the way Congress works. Uh, they don't tell us how to run our <laughs> session and we can't tell them how to do theirs. Yeah. Um, but I really do feel like a lot of meetings we've had been positive and I do feel like uh, there's a very good chance that they will find a way to protect the freedom to vote. Such It's such a fundamental thing that um, I'm not going to, it ain't over till it's over. And I, I sure I'm not giving up on this. So and oh, neither here. That's good stuff, man. That is so awesome. I, 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 and I applaud the effort because I think voter access that's fundamental to democracy, no matter what side you're on. And, and, and people don't understand once they get done with one group, they're going to go after the other. So you may, you may, you may think that, Oh, okay, I'm safe because I'm an American citizen. I'm this and that, but if people don't realize early American history, the only people that could vote were landowners. And people don't realize like yes, that just that that got trickled down by people. You know, they 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 they're doing what you're doing. They're trying to make the make access more that everyone can get there. And 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 it's just madness that people don't realize that it doesn't matter what side you are on, it should be easier to vote because everyone's opinion matters. It it should be, and that it is the sort of the foundational principle, you know, of our system. And uh 
if you want a government of the people by the people, you've got to have their, their voices have to count. And no matter what it is that you advocate for, whether it's seriously, whether it's you want to, uh, I don't know, whether you're right, lean right, lean left, hard right, hard left, if you want your opinion to count, if you want your values to matter, your ability to vote and elect people that represent those values is the key to having your voice heard in government. Yeah. You know, it's why I decided to run, you know, because, well, a lot of reasons, but I felt like just normal everyday people from our communities should be the ones who walk into the state house and inform the policy of the state. You know, that's the deal. So the, the right to vote is fundamental to that for both Republicans and Democrats, independents, Green Party, you know, libertarians, whatever you are, if you can't, if your vote isn't heard, you can't elect your representatives. And if you don't elect them, then someone else gets to decide what the rules are. Yeah, absolutely. And well, in another two, speaking of, you know, things that are uh, foundational institutions, I want to uh, give you a chance to talk a little bit about public education in Texas and, you know, that's another sort of battleground right now that we're um, just kind of where are you at with that and what are your motivations or what are your goals um, for, I, I don't want to say, an well, maybe an attack, but with what's going on right now in, uh, in Austin? It's, it's a good question. It's fair. And public education was like the, the prime mover for me to, to leave a and actually a job that I love, a career I love that I, I honestly want to go back to being an engineer for a living. And it pays pretty well. You know, this job doesn't pay anything. <laughs> yeah, no, but, it does not. Uh, sure. No, it does not. Sure. <laughs> so, no, it's yeah. 600 bucks a month or something. That's exactly what yeah, it is. Right. It's constitutionally mandated. It is what it is. My, uh, But my dad was a lifetime educator. Both of his parents were too. So I, I grew up my whole life with a reverence for teaching, for public education. And uh, that was the, um, the one of the main things that brought me into politics was public education in Texas was being wronged and underfunded. You know, the star testing system, like we could talk oh. a whole hour about oh, why yeah. that's horrible. It is horrible. Any, <laughs> anything, any test that is just made for a box of people. And, and, and nobody, yeah, I, I agree. We, we, that's yeah, probably and I have day. studied that at length and we could talk about that at length. That's, right that's another now, day, all day long. And, and I, that's another day, like we can do a whole show. Just yeah, easily. <laughs> why it's horrible. Um, and it is, you it know, is. but I agree. I agree. What's going on right this very minute is we got a pandemic, you know, flaming up and, and spreading like wildfire. Number of cases is doubling like, on days, not on weeks or months. And so the, the, the rate of growth is accelerating right now. And we're seeing a lot of hospitalizations and stuff lay on top of that, that the governor and the education agency, Texas education agency commissioner have decreed by, um, by royal decree that thou shalt not uh, allow distance learning anymore. So kids who get sick or might be sick or families that have, you know, very vulnerable or uh, immunocompromised um, people cannot participate remotely. Your student must attend. And just to just to put a cap on crazy and go as full-blown <laughs> insane as you can, on top of the fact that we're in the middle of a surging pandemic, you have to go to school in person and mask mandates shall be banned. So let's just you know, we're not going to require vaccinations against COVID for children. Obviously, it's not um, yeah. 
it's not. Well, that one's kind of an up and down. That was kind of up and down. We have to be a little careful with the children in regards to just. No question. No question. I think think the test. I'm advocating for that. I'm right now, it's allowed for children 12 and older. And I totally get, you know, parents may be one way or another on that. Right. But if you're going to be in this environment where, you know, you've got deadly illness circulating that's more contagious than the previous strain, and you require, we just went through a learning curve to uh, develop effective distance learning right. techniques. And so I think at a minimum, we should have those available for kids or families that are worried. Uh, I will um, divulge that I've got, you know, I've got a large family, but we have a situation in my family where a mother of a small, of a young boy, a seven, seven-year-old boy, she's vaccinated, obviously he's not. And he's been in, in class going to summer school right now. Um, and he brought COVID home and his mother got sick. And right now, you know, she's exhibiting, she's been vaccinated, but she's really, she's sicker than anybody around us got, but she's got like multiple underlying conditions. So, you know, I, I'm just livid about this situation. I'm right. probably going to try to to put together a formal statement on it or something, but, but y'all, these people doing crazy on top of crazy and they do not care about the human beings that get it, uh, uh, that are caught up in this. So, well, well, would you say also that it's also the dogmatic approach that the right has taken on everything, whether it's guns, whether it's vaccines, whether it's anything, there's no like, there's no middle ground, right? For the most part, Texas Republicans are conservative, but I think there's been some type of meeting something. Now it's all dogmatic. It's like, yes, oh, it, you can't have comes, a balanced approach. Right. And it comes from the very top. I think uh, like I would say, a, a bunch of my colleagues in the House would probably be open to debate and, re- and have a substantive conversation, but it won't matter because the governor has decreed. He says, you know, we've done enough, you know, uh, mandates for COVID and we're done with that now. It's got to be personal responsibility and this by, you know, sorry about the folks that might get offended by this, but the party of personal no, responsibility no. doesn't take responsibility for anything Very and true. they don't act responsibly. Oh. So. You know, Say it louder. Not, we can all hear this. It's not It's not every human. You know, there's plenty of sensible folks that identify as Republican or, or right-leaning. Most of those people, you know, I got some Republican friends who are like anti-Trumpers and they're conservatives and will debate policy. And that's fine. None of those people think that uh, distance learning or remote learning should be removed as a possibility. It's right. something, it's a tool and we should keep that tool in place. It's something. You know, even if your kid didn't have COVID, what if he had a bad cold? What if uh, when I was in sixth grade, I got a case of double pneumonia. I was out of school for six weeks. And and wouldn't it have been great if I could have participated, you know, online? And none of that stuff existed. You know, teachers sent home assignments and I tried to keep up. But you know what I'm saying? It's a very valuable tool for a number of reasons. And we should allow the use of it. Well, just cutting off access to education, right? I mean, in the end, it's just another thing to prevent access to. It's like, we should be trying to make everything easier for people because that, you know, we want the solid building blocks of our society. So education should be one of them, 100%. You should have easy access to it. If you, you know, if you, there's been homeschools for years, right? There's been, and that's been a very large movement. So, you know, the way that they're curtailing these rules, it seems to still allow that because there's a large contingency of conservatives that do homeschooling. They're trying to promote that, but they're saying, but you can't do, you know, distance learning in a regular setting because, oh, that's different. It's, it's a very, 
there, there's there's too many twists and turns in all this. You know, it looks like it's, certain it, it Republicans does, districts in the state of Texas. You know, there's going to be as a result of this in the environment that we're in right now, there's going to be some families that keep their kids home because yeah. they think that's the only choice they have. And without distance learning, those kids are going to fall behind. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. At least let, I mean, I don't understand like why they won't let certain districts uh, just do a face, like a, a mask initiative, right? You know what? Let the, let the no districts sense. manage their business. That's why yeah. we have independent school districts because I... <laughs> there's a massive variety in how big they are and, and the, the populations and even right. within a school district, I'm in Cy Fair school district, even within our district, there's, you know, different populations in different schools that would work in different ways and and let the districts do their business the way they're supposed to let them determine their own thing makes no sense for republicans who talk about personal responsibility um the de, de facto destruction of of a uh of a uh, centralized one-way thing they want to centralize one-way things like that yeah <laughs> it's it's the total right it's it's the total uh what's it? i i'm I'm, I'm losing words today, but it just makes no sense for someone who says, I want personal liberty, freedom, carry a gun, but a school district can't say whether or not you have to wear a mask. Well, what? Like, what? Like, I, I understand, like, on a, it just makes no sense. It's like they want to take away community control when they also say it's, a, it's better to have a decentralized government. So it's, it, it's crazy. So, yeah, it's a total, total, uh, yeah just losing that one. I, 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 I'm with you hundred percent. Just let people make their decisions in regards to like the, how the school districts want to run. And then also listen to what the teachers say. Right. In the end, that's part of the, part of the game. I mean, Oh, teachers should be driving policy. No question yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. And when they, teaching, that. they probably are the experts. I'm yeah. guessing. Right. They, right. Exactly. <laughs> they may yeah, know a seems, thing or two. Seems to be the overall thing is to, to kind of, mute them as, as much as possible and it's like speaking of that as far as the classroom there seems to be uh, well not seems to be the big um kind of pushback against the the introduction of the critical race theory um would you talk a little bit about that i know there's been there was recently i'd read an article and i don't know all the details of it i apologize but there was something something in there they were trying to pass where it said um you wouldn't be allowed to teach the Ku Klux Klan as a, a, a immoral entity. And I was going to see if you, what you knew about that. And I'm sure I wasn't getting the whole story, but well, it just seems so like first, there's a lot. Of- <laughs> first, they have passed that law. That is already law in Texas. Oh, and, wow. um, under the under the auspice of banning critical race theory, which, by the way, is not at all what they say it is. So first, it's not what they say it is. Second, it's not taught taught in public schools. And third, you know, I mean, really, it this is like graduate level law school stuff, where uh, they look at the impact on on uh, of race on societal structures. And it really anyone who doesn't understand that. Um, uh, that the odds are that the cards are stacked against communities of color ha- don't have any actual real relationships with people of color. <laughs> so it's true. So, and once again, right. Yes. So um, this, that the first, the bill is egregious and, and racist on its face. And, and when you look at what, what was put in there, the way that it's, the way that it's structured is um, it can, 
it can bring penalties to teachers and administrators who teach certain subjects without without a balanced approach to teach both sides. It's like, I'm sorry, man. You know, I know history teachers talking about if I'm teaching about slavery, there's no balanced approach. There's the people who thought it was cool to own people, and there's people who fought against that. Right. There's exactly. No, you know, in between. <laughs> There's no two sides to that. Right? <laughs> no, it's like you owned a human being, man. So so the point is you're bad. The the point is it's a major step at, at whitewashing history. Uh right. it it really um, discourages teaching of all sorts of things, including the history of racism and white supremacy in this country. And anyone who thinks that history doesn't exist or is not relevant. Those, uh, there's no conversation I can have to help them understand if, if they believe that's not still uh, structures and remnants from that have, have been handed down through generations. And I faced it, you know, in a school board meeting in our district um, last month. You know, we had the um, our Cypress area tea party organized an action on a school board <laughs> meeting where they went in there and they shouted down our school board trustees who are nonpartisan, you know, elected volunteers. They don't get paid. Uh, Cypher is considered, you know, a good school district. It's pretty successful, you know, even on the measures that are used. And I think it's run reasonably well, very well. And um, no, they're shouting them down. And even when school board trustees saying, y'all, we, we don't, what you're talking about, we don't teach that here. It's not part of the curriculum. And I got, and they're shouting, you know, they're drowning them out. And I got up to speak, I signed to speak. And I said, besides the fact that what you've been told about this, you know, is pure horse manure, even if it was being taught here, you're in the wrong place to change policy on, uh, on education. You need to go visit your state board of education because they set the curricula and the teaks, right? Yep. And they shouted me down, called me a liar. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just telling you, this is not the entity that determines what curriculum are. Well, and and as me, I'm I'm a big student of history, so I'm I'm huge on that. I love history, always dug it. You know, if you don't learn it, you're doomed to repeat it. But I think, and I think the problem is, is that people are, and and this is also part of the like kind of I guess the the sentiment regarding critical race theory because we we had a show about it, we talked about it. Um, what I feel the sentiment occurring with it is that they're trying. Everyone's trying to say the critical race theory is this is basically the they found one person on twitter who tried to describe race relations as like you know in this and basically that all you know and, and you know not to offend anybody but all white people are evil blah 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 and so all the all the right went to that explanation of critical race theory in that sense right they all said oh they just everyone thinks we're evil and everyone thinks that we're slave owners and but the real value of learning a balanced history that talks about you know the impacts of race relations, not necessarily of race relations, but just of how society and the and basically the sociology of it occurring during that time frame is important, right? Context is everything in history. If you don't understand, you know, a thousand years from now, you could do a report about Hitler. If you don't have true context, you, hey, I mean, it's the way we talk about Genghis Khan, right? We all think, wow, guy was crazy. He beat everybody, but <laughs> you asked all, you know, the, you know. The, the northern and southern states, China, and everyone that he you slaughtered, they don't think that. So context is huge. And so the lack of context, I think that's really what critical race theory is trying to bring into the picture, correct? 
Uh, I believe so. I'm certainly not an expert on it, you know, right, but right. I'll just give you an example of how this dynamic plays out. The dude that brought that bill, um, same guy, same guy, by the <laughs> way, that's got the uh, the election forensic audit bill. Steve Toth is the one who brought that bill at the guy. microphone, yeah. admitted under questioning that he doesn't have a college degree. And um, so dude without a college degree wants to direct education curriculum for the state of Texas, <laughs> having a debate with um, Dr. Mary Gonzalez of El Paso, right? Representative Dr. Mary Gonzalez from oh. El Paso, who has a PhD in, in education and did her doctoral <laughs> dissertation on critical race theory. Like one of the leading experts in the country on the subject, on the microphone, talking to really debating with a guy that never studied in school and never, you know, graduated <laughs> from college. And the the bill author, the conservative guy, told her she didn't, she was wrong about what she was asserting. And she's like, dude, I've read a stack of books on this. I'm just telling you, you know, what this actually is. I personally know authors that write on this. You know, I did a doctoral dissertation on it. I'm just, I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you what you think it is, is not what it is. And, and so same thing, you know, uh, conservatives shouting at me in a school board meeting, telling me I'm lying because I'm telling them school board doesn't implement curriculum it's the state board of education right they have there's those no debates with that. So and the textbooks no the textbooks that are even utilized in the state by right. state schools have to so, be approved by this committee correct i mean that's yeah. that makes all those decisions by the and state the board editing. of education yeah does that and uh the impact of this bill that they just passed is like 15 million dollars because you can't buy a bunch of new textbooks, textbooks. for the state of texas yeah. And and there's a new one. Uh, governor thinks we didn't do enough on that in this last session. Uh, they they pulled some serious hijinks with that bill. We put a bunch of uh, amendments on it in the House chamber where they agreed to add specific teaks for uh, for things like Martin Luther King, Frederick Douglass, you know, Trail of Tears, you know, Susan B. Yeah. Anthony, stuff like that. And then they went over to the Senate and struck all that stuff out in, com oh. in conference. Uh, and then brought it back over and tried to get us to vote on it. And uh, uh, James Talarico, who is a teacher, killed the bill in the House on a point of order. So they went back over to the Senate and then magically um, stripped out all their own amendments and sent it to the governor's desk. So it did go to the governor's desk and get signed. Uh, our amendments went into it. But now uh, it wasn't explicit enough. And so on the special session, they've got a new bill that you can go look at this bill. Um, I forget the number of it, and I could go look it up for you at some point, but uh, they got a new critical race theory bill on, on the call for the special session that specifically lines out, removes from the uh, TEKS, which is Texas Educational Knowledge and Skills, uh, so that's the curriculum list, removes things like Ku Klux Klan, Trail of Tears, Martin Luther King, uh, wow. you know, like literally God. removes all that stuff. It's a major whitewashing of history. And, you know, if I wasn't here for, um, to protect the right to vote, I might be here to protect the right to teach history in schools. Oh my God. That's just crazy. That's it. That just doesn't make any sense. That take, that removes all context of history. And it's just like, I, I just don't get that. You know, I just don't get that. I mean, I know they you say know, the winners write the history, but this is, yeah. we're supposed to be somewhat fair a little bit. Con context is, is massively important yep. in 
any conversation, a conversation of history, uh, you know, a conversation about almost anything. Just yeah. ask the people I work with. You know, I won't even have a conversation about X or Y until we have a conversation about the context that this is inside of. And that's because smart. without context, your conversation is meaningless. Yep. Concur. Concur. And Especially, I, and I, <laughs> for, for, for you as an engineer, especially these things must be frustrating when it's like, you know, if you're going to design a spaceship <laughs> uh, to, to land on Mars, you would want to know every single possibility of every single detail of every measurement. Right. <laughs> but it, but it, when it comes to educating the future of our uh, our country, nah, let's just uh, let's go with a nice little. We'll leave out the, the, the schematics. You know yeah, yeah, we'll leave you know out the details. The out. life of an engineer. Um, you know, we got a real simple test for for our stuff. So your your you build a, a thing, and it work or it don't work. And if you got it right, it works. And if you screwed up, it don't work. That's yeah. Not, hey, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that simplicity of the of the point of function right there. It's just like right. does it work? You know, it gets it complicated. Right. And and I built you know offshore subsea systems. I have been involved wow. in some major advances in technology on this planet. And I love working with big machinery, but really, and I'm a math guy. So systems engineering is, is my special area. And that is the study, what you do, systems engineers build mathematical models to simulate complicated systems. So I really am a math guy, but at the end of the day, it all boils down to you built that thing and it works or it don't work. And if it don't work, you're in trouble. Man, I get excited when I don't knock over the Jenga pile. I know, right? You know, that's the extent of my engineering. If I don't knock over Jenga, I'm like, I know this. I've got balance, function, I got this. <laughs> your your oh, subsea systems may be slightly more complicated. Yeah, I'm terribly, <laughs> terribly horrible about, you know, I critique design of everything I see in my head. You know, it's just, it's terrible. Oh, man. Man. yeah. It's, it's kind curse. of a, a, bless, a blessing and a curse. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, Makes me a real good well, engineer, but really... <laughs> <laughs> hard to be around yeah <laughs> for sure um hey before we uh we wrap this up john uh and once again very appreciative of, of your yes. time you've spent Thank with you. us i i do want to let you give it you know i know you do a lot of great work with uh committees is there anything you're particularly um that we didn't get a chance to talk about here that you're really excited about or, or anything you're you're working on um so right now uh we're we're out of regular session. The committees that I'm on are uh, agriculture and livestock and land resource management, which which go together well. Uh, I kind of didn't understand why uh, the speaker would put an engineer from suburban Houston who works in oil and gas all of his <laughs> life on agriculture and livestock committee. But I had a great time. Actually loved the experience of learning a whole bunch of new stuff. Uh, so, so it gave me a whole new appreciation for agriculture and livestock in this state is the, the next major, um, uh, economic driver after oil and gas. And they took a huge hit in that winter storm. So none of us think about how many chickens died or how many thousands of gallons of milk got destroyed or how many citrus trees, not only could it lost the crop of the storm, but also lose the next crop because they get screwed up. So all that sort of stuff uh, really gave me appreciation for agriculture and livestock. But on land and resource, uh, I think we made uh, very positive steps towards making the eminent domain process more fair. And some eminent domain is like, yeah. 
a nice way of saying um, uh, the railroad can take away your land if they need to, to put a track through your yard <laughs> um, or, right. or critical infrastructure. So in Texas, of course, that includes pipeline and there's this whole business about um, the rules for how they do it and how they have to offer a fair price and all that kind of stuff. So some people think it's inherently unfair that a private property owner can be subject to eminent domain and lose rights to a piece of your property just because they want to run a pipeline through it. And I'm, I'm not arguing that. Uh, I know how some people feel about it, but the process used to really disadvantage the landowners and we put in a bunch of protections for them so that at least they can get a fair price and, uh, and some due process and some professional representation. You know, anytime anyone has to walk into a courtroom, I, I hate that crap. I could never be a lawyer. It just gives me all <laughs> kinds really? of anxiety to have to deal with law or somebody sues you or some, some stuff like that. I mean, that, that kind of stuff is really difficult to deal with. And a lot of these landowners, you know, farmers in rural areas, they don't know anything about this law. And it, it used to be really easy for bad actors to take advantage of them. And we put in place right. um, some rules that provide them free uh, professional representation in these interactions so that they have someone to help them manage the process. And I, That's so awesome. I think that was a real good step. That's awesome. Yeah. That's all. Well, thank you again, uh, A, for your time and, and B, for what you're doing uh, representing the people of the great state of Texas, uh, myself included. I'm, uh, <laughs> my kid, yeah, my, my kids go to, uh, sci fair and I'm in the, in the area. So, uh, thank you for everything you've done, All right. uh, and can yes. continue to do continue to fight, uh, sir. And it has been a pleasure to have you on. So, um, yeah, have yourself a, a wonderful yeah, afternoon unless you, you got any, you. any cool. parting words you yeah. want to bless us with. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I do. I thank you for uh, letting me go on and on about stuff I'm passionate about. Oh, our pleasure. Uh, really, oh, we loved really it. Enjoyed the experience. Um, and I should probably send people to my website, johnrosenthaltx.com. Support the effort. Uh, support me if you want me to come back in the legislature. Um, I do. I do hope to seek a new term. Uh, I I like what I'm doing, and uh, I'm not totally broke yet. So. Uh, <laughs> <I can. laughs> <laughs> it's, here, here. it's like we'll, farmers we'll, used to say you know i hope i win the lottery so i can work my farm until the money runs out that's nice right. <laughs> that's right <laughs> but that's thanks really awesome. thanks so much for having me on it's uh, really been a great conversation well you, well, you got to skip the noise of approval seal of approval so that'll go a long way <laughs> but but we we thank you so much for your time um and it's just this has been a pleasure and uh we hope to hear from you maybe again sometime so we we definitely enjoyed it. definitely great let me know anytime. Great. Thank you, we'll sir. Do. We'll do, sir. Take care.
Well, there you have it, guys. We just whoa. Uh, we just whoa. stepped into a new. Uh, I feel legitimate. Lev- yeah, it's a legit show. <laughs> I feel so legitimate now. I mean, I feel like I'm actually almost like a real. Like we're doing something real here. I feel yeah, so legitimate today. So that, that was shit. Yeah, I, what a cool guy. Year, what a cool he guy. He really right? was. Oh my god, really was very down to earth. Um, gave us what was exciting about that is in what I, what I, what I hope to bring out, I didn't necessarily want to ask him point blank. I just kind of want to see where it goes, but the fact that he, he did specifically mention about how that, that kind of behind the scenes things work in, uh, you know, in, in lawmaking and in the, in the legislature with the, the political pressures that exists and why people yep. do certain things. So yeah, I thought it was really good. He hit on, you know, kind of everything we, we had envisioned uh, to talk to him about. I know Rick is sitting somewhere, probably seething, uh, <laughs> seething, and, and, and throwing things around his room and um, breaking gnawing on a piece of metal. <laughs> yeah, I'm gnawing on metal and <laughs> sandpaper. <laughs> but uh, but hey, you know what? It's just sometimes we got to, you know. He's like that dude do. from Hey, remember Angels and Demons? Remember that movie with Tom Hanks, the guy that was like beating himself and stuff. The flagellation yeah, that's guy. That's, that's exactly Rick what right Rick's now. doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> He's got that tourniquet on his leg, like, must be tighter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really cool guy, though. Very down to earth, man. That was that was cool. Um, you know, uh, he's got, like I said, he's got the skip the noise approval guy, you know, just came on to came on, was very friendly, super cordial. Nothing, um, nothing, just just a really normal guy. That was cool. I, I really yeah. did appreciate him doing that. So that was that was awesome, huh? Shit, yeah, and didn't definitely didn't have to by no means. No, nobody no. has to be on this ever. So we're excited. We're excited to. Uh, I feel like we took a, another step towards uh, legitimacy. Le- yeah, le- legitimacy. Yeah, uh, getting our, our goals and all points across. But no, it's it's good. I feel like it's always good for for folks to hear uh, from somebody who's actually in in it and doing the work. Um, you know, a what those challenges are and and b and at six hundred you know, bucks a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's right it's not this uh, is a self-sacrificing gonna... job like this that's really for real i mean man that's hardcore and, and hats off to anybody you know um yeah that puts themselves out there and does that because yeah no nobody getting rich at, at that no nope. um, at, at that level but it's it's got to happen that's how yep. that's how things work and how um you know we continue to excel as a society Hopefully. and it doesn't matter Hopefully whether you're republican or democrat right I mean, it's just the fact yeah. that you're level you're willing to deal with a the level of scrutiny you're going to deal with for that position the the small amount of pay and then how much hard work it takes to get reelected every time i mean that's dedication so you gotta you gotta give a shout out to anyone who's you know serves or serves you know serves society serves our community envisions you know trying to give the best vision of what they believe can help people that's that's pretty crazy and i think you see that on the state level way more than national level like these guys at the state level i think they really care and so it's good to it's very refreshing to see that that thought that i had was not only proven but it it was even beyond my expectation it's just a very normal person who just cares and is sacrificing whatever to help society so that's pretty neat it's pretty cool. Yeah, and the, the overall message too, I'd like to kind of point out to the listeners is that these people, and, and one of the great things why it was it was a privilege to have him on is that there these people are out there, guys. Like, yep. uh, putting it on the line and doing this work, um, a lot of times that gets overlooked. You know, it's not it's never brought into the public eye until 
there's some big deal with, um, you know, oh, Texas Dems flee to Washington <laughs> and have a COVID party and give everybody, you know what I mean? You see that <laughs> played out and, and that's how it happens. Now, now you get to see what, you know, what actually happened. So that was, to me, that, that was the, the beauty of having this interview uh, as part of the show. So, yeah. um, but something we believe in. And yeah, it gets overlooked, man. It gets painted or, or painted and twisted in a yeah, and that goes both ways. I think that the, that everyone paints one thing one way, paints another thing the other way. We're just it's just cool to be able to have just them come on and you know, and, and if there's you know, we get a state representative that's a Republican, we gladly do the same thing. I just think that that these be these individuals should be um, definitely applauded for their devotion and for their civil service and and you know. I think that's, that's the pureness of the democracy, you know? And so I, I do like that. That is cool. So I, it, it gives you a little bit more faith in the system. Yeah, exactly. When you find that there's actually humans. Uh, yep. Doing this and I hope that's what everyone takes away from this. Remember your local representatives are big deals guys, and you need to support them. So if, uh, if you're out there in the Cyprus area and you hear John Rosenthal and you, and you like what he has to say, you know, go out there vote for them and and help them keep an office and uh, not saying the guys that are going to, that are going to run against them are bad or anything. I mean, they probably are, but, um, but in, in the end um, these, these individuals care a lot about what they're doing. So just go out there and support them, whether it's for one party or other, just, you know, support your local representatives. For sure. And then, uh, so if you want to follow John on Twitter, it's at uh, J O N underscore his last name, Rosenthal, R O S E N T H A L T X at john underscore rosenthal tx so go ahead and follow him there uh he's got instagram too but i think twitter's nice. the twitter's nice. the but yeah you'll you'll get all access to everything else but um but yeah guys i mean you got anything else ben you want to close that with in this special edition yeah. the midweek and well, who's again, gonna drop the, the who's gonna drop the teaser the teaser that maybe we may have him oh, on that's another right. point regarding what it's so regarding. of course yeah, in in true irresponsible fashion, we <laughs> we, we forgot to ask uh, the alien question before we we shut it down on the recording. Uh, but maybe next time we'll see. Uh, yeah, and if, I, and if, if, I think if, if he would I, grace us, if he'd grace us with his presence a, a second time somewhere down the road, we'll we'll definitely get into this. But um, let's just say he uh, made a case for a statistically proving Ooh. Uh, the the existence of of our friends and he is a math of, guy. So I believe that's what I'm saying. So he's a math guy. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, he's going to so shake. That being said, yeah, if we can't do it ourselves, he's going to shake up the whole pot and, and, and make getting, you all believers. <laughs> so maybe getting. next time, but, but anyway, we are excited to be able to do this for the, uh, for the listeners. Uh, other than that, man, I think we'll, we'll wrap it yeah, up. We will have great. a regular show too with the, uh, the trio intact, yep. uh, God willing, recording early in the of next week. So I'll put this out this weekend. Yep. Get it out to you listeners. I don't know who I'm going to close the show with as far as the music. You'll just have to enjoy whatever it is you hear. So with that being said, guys, we'll wrap it up uh, in another bun and put it on a tasty plate <laughs> with a little umbrella <laughs> sticker to hold it all and some together garnish. for you. Some garnish. And some garnish. Make it look pretty. Make it look pretty. Maybe a little, maybe a little side dish. And uh, you guys will see you early next week. Take care.